Welcome to the CBIA BizCast powered by Google. I'm your host, Ali Warshavsky. And today on our podcast, we are joined by Jill Mayer, CEO, CEO of Beat Industries in Milford. Uh, we have Jill on to talk about a bunch of things, but one of the things I find the most interesting is the way she's trying to help women get back to work after they have a baby. She's got a unique way that lets them get back into the office. Jill, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Ali. I know this is a family-run business, so I got to know, when you were younger, was it your goal or your dream to take it over? It was not, actually. I didn't grow up in Connecticut, so I wasn't even exposed to the family business, and my father even came to be quite late in his career. Um, but my mother owned a small business, a salon, when I was growing up, and I started working for her when I was 12 washing and folding the linens and then scheduling and confirming appointments. And eventually by 16, I was selling products and balancing the till and closing up the shop. So I really liked that feeling of being relied upon and trusted. And my mom told me she was able to relax more when she knew I was there. So the, the responsibility felt good to me. And when we moved to the East Coast and I graduated from college, I worked outside the family business and then, and even got married, the opportunity to came up to work with my father at the company and those same kind of feelings of reliability and um, dependability and trust kind of bubbled up. So it was a great opportunity. Uh, probably the toughest question I'll ask, was it better working for your mom or for your dad? <laughs> I'm um, kidding. You don't have to answer that one. <laughs> I was going to plead the fifth anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, for anyone who isn't familiar, what exactly is Bead? Yep. So Bead Industries is a um, manufacturing company. We're made up of two divisions. Bead Electronics, which is located here in Milford, manufactures custom connector pins used in various applications like automotive, medical, lighting, industrial. And our other division, McGuire Manufacturing Company, is located in Cheshire and produces high-end commercial plumbing fixture trim products like supply kits, traps, drains, and strainers. Okay, and how many employees do you have um, between, I guess, in Milford, in Cheshire, um, each location? Between the two, about 50 employees, and okay. we're multi-generational, and we have about 60% of our workforce is made up of women. And speaking of women, um, we've been hearing and seeing in the statistics that women are having a harder time returning to the workforce following the pandemic, but it's really nothing new for women to, to have a harder time returning to the workforce because they're the ones having the babies, right? Um, what ways, before we get into what you're specifically doing, but what ways can businesses make it easier for women to get back into their careers, do you think? I think there's a few. Um, for starters, the hiring managers can be, they can be mindful of the resume gap when women choose to pause their career to care for their kids. Doesn't necessarily mean they've lost their skill set or even their work ethic. Um, I find it's often a sign of, of loyalty um, with someone with high family values. So, and likewise, the candidates with gaps in their resumes should try to be honest about it and show confidence with regard to their decision. And I think we just re need to remove the stigma there. Uh, another thought would be that employers can be more flexible with hours and work schedules. Not the work from home option isn't always available, but if it's conducive to the job or even a hybrid in our case, it should be considered. Um, it's reasonable 
even though um, someone's starting, it is reasonable to require the initial training period to be on site as long as you communicate that. So um, that's one way. Another thing I was thinking of, you know, employers can be supportive of, of women in terms of their career growth, um, whether they're offering mentorships or suggesting some resource groups, women in manufacturing, for example. And then um, lastly, really promoting the, an environment of the work-life balance. I'll give you an example. Um, if we do some team building here at Bead, if, if your company's doing team building and those events are always after hours, it's a little harder for women with children to attend. Um, but if you're moving some of those during the work hours or if you're giving plenty of advance notice, um, more women can participate in those and then feel part of the team. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Um, you know, daycare, unfortunately, does have a limit to their hours. Um, you know, what was your, when did you become um, CEO? Had you had a child by then or um, was that after? Yes. So when I took over for my father in 2014, my youngest was two. So okay. I was definitely in those difficult toddler years. Um, so I was in it. I was definitely in it and um, just took it one day at a time, basically. <laughs> All right. So you've experienced it firsthand. We just did a podcast podcast with a um, group called untapped potential and they actually provide these um, returnships to women or work with companies to get them in so that when a company does look at their resume they see like a 12-week stint at you know a bigger company um, so there's not that gap but I, I like how you're saying to um, you know employers should be um, not ignore the gap but almost ignore the gap um uh, to make it fair for those returning. Now, we know you have implemented a very unique policy that allows new moms to bring in their newborns for a few weeks uh, once they return from maternity leave. How did you come up with that policy and um, how many of your employees have been taking advantage of it? So it was my sister and I bringing in our babies here at work that kind of made us realize what an important transition time it is for women in the work place, especially first-time moms. So, um, you know, babies are at that precious age where they're still sleeping and eating a ton. And I just remember that first month after maternity, uh, having, dropping my, my son off and, and having a hard time walking away. And I was also nursing. So I spent what felt like half of my day pumping milk and then washing and drying all of the components after each session. And then I go to pick them up and the report was, well, they drank a bottle and they slept for three hours. So, um, you know, when they get to five and six months, they're awake a lot more, they're more interactive, they're starting to eat solid foods. It's totally different ball game. Um, we happen to have three employees that were, well, we happen to have three employees that were all pregnant at the same time. This was um, late 2020. So we created a policy that allowed them, as well as all future full-time employees, the option to bring their infants to work um, after their maternity leave was over until about five months. And we realized it may not work for every company. It's not gonna work for every parent. It's not gonna work for every baby. Um, but we happen to have offices with doors and privacy shades and the setup is good. Um, some moms chose shorter, more frequent days, some moms chose um, longer days less frequently, but we had, um, we had employees with different situations. So one employee uh, had a lot of help from her parents. So she only brought her baby in for a couple of weeks and decided it was preferable not to do that. Um, of course, if the baby is colicky, 
um, you know, that's going to be difficult. Mostly, though, I have to convince employees that, you know, a little crying is going to be expected and not to necessarily run from the building at the first sound of the crying. So, you know, the, the policy requires them to designate someone to hold the baby, right, if they need to use the restroom or if they have a meeting or if they need to pop out to the factory floor. Um, and I always volunteer for that because, because I love to do that. So um, what else? Um, well, I was going to ask you, you know, with that, I love that policy to volunteer, you know, have people been willing to volunteer other than you to uh, watch the baby for a few minutes? Oh, yeah. And we've even had, you know, we definitely had some sort of shock from some of the, the men in the, in the office, shock and maybe a little worry at first. And, um, you know, it just takes, it just takes one, a baby next door, you know, laying on the little jungle gym mat and really not doing a whole lot to realize that, you know, it's really not as bad as, as you might think it will be. And um, they're usually quite quiet. They sleep a lot, like I said. And then, you know, if it gets a little, if it gets a little tricky, which it, as we know, babies, it can happen, then they just pack up and they finish from home, you know? not a big deal. Manufacturing has had a long history of trouble recruiting women. It's just been um, notoriously known as an industry where men are on the shop floor. Besides allowing women who do work for you to bring in their newborns, what other ways have you been trying to attract a woman into um, the beat industry's workforce? Hmm. Well, and this might sound a bit unfair, but it does take some women to attract other women, mm -hmm. just like, um, you know, it takes younger employees to attract other younger employees. When I first came to be, there was really no one my age. It was really hard to relate to my colleagues, but you have to start somewhere, right? Um, we seem to have plenty of women on our production floor historically, but in the office, especially with engineering and sales, it was heavily male. Um, it took some time, but over the years, it's gotten more balanced. And I believe that has a lot to do with, you know, flexibility of schedule, seeing other women that um, it, working in the office. So, um, you know, me coming and then my sister coming a little later, we sort of, we created our own <laughs> women employees just through the family. Um, but we do try to uh, promote uh, we just hired a woman engineer um, and we um, grew internally. We have a customer service rep who is a female who we just grew her into a production management position. So, so I think doing those types of things help. Yeah, so we just had a similar discussion with someone from AI Engineers where he was saying that um, you know, he is an immigrant from the United States and he had never seen an immigrant be an engineer. And it's about seeing those people come to your classroom. So, you know, would you agree that maybe seeing a woman go to a ninth grade classroom to teach STEM might be more effective than if they're seeing um, someone who doesn't look like you, whether it's race or gender, um, preach about manufacturing or other industries? Absolutely. And when we do our kind of annual school tours, I love to show the school, the classrooms that come in. I love them to go out in the shop and see all the women working in our factory and see the women leaders and see the women managers. And I think it's good to expose your, um, your company. So if you have a company that has really good diversity, I think it's kind of our job to make sure that we're, sh we're showing those sh our shops. And, you know, you are a mom of young kids, as you mentioned, how do you personally make it work, especially in a position like CEO? I mean, there's a lot of weight on your shoulders. 
maybe some family pressure as well. You know, I guess, what are your tips for the working mom out there or who want, or the mom who wants to take on that leadership role within her company? Mm. Well, it's a lot of effort and I, it's a lot of do-overs. So I'm certainly not uh, perfect at every stage of my kids' lives. They're nine and 11. Now I have two boys. Um, I think that I have it figured out and then they change. So uh, (laughs) I, I guess when they were really little, I just made sure that when I was home, I was as present with them as possible, you know, getting creative, asking them questions. I'll give you an example. So you ask your child, how was your, how was your day at school? Good, right? Good. (laughs) What am I getting? So we would play something like true two truths, one lie, where they would have to trick me. So I would get to hear about their day and they thought we were playing a game. So it was amazing what you can learn if you, if you kind of ask it in a (laughs) creative way, but um, you know, my husband and I would do our best to make sure that at least someone was always there. And then having some support from my parents and our board of directors um, was critical. And I think that's one of the reasons why I want to be so supportive to my employees is because I have that support. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you a story. I've never missed our quarterly company board meetings because the, our outside board of directors, those are my bosses and it's mm-hmm. four times a year, right? So it's four times a year. Um, but I had, I arrived an hour early, um, an hour or so late to one of my meetings once when my youngest had like a mother son breakfast at the head of his preschool. Mm-hmm. And I debated for a while um, whether I or not I should go. And I basically, I couldn't bring myself to tell him that I couldn't go and have him be the only one there without his mom. And so I ended up coming late to this board meeting and my board, my board ended up commending me for having my priorities straight, which was incredible and actually crazy to me how close I was to making the wrong choice. So I really, I refer to that story when, as a reminder for myself, when similar situations come up that I know deep down what the right choice is. And it's just a series of choices that we make, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so hard because you want to, you know, you get where you are in your career, you have the idea of where you want to be, and then you don't want to mess it up. And there's so much pressure to never miss the meeting to never call out sick. I think COVID at least changed that perspective a little bit. Now they don't want you. And if you're sick, <laughs> absolutely, but, but it's tough. Um, nine and 11. Well, don't worry by the time they're 13, they won't want you at anything. Right. (laughs) Do you think you're any, um, either of your sons will follow in your footsteps? You know, they do have sort of the STEM mindset. They both like to build and make things. Um, so, you know, I, um, I was more on the business side, Mm -hmm. but my, my grandfathers and, you know, our company origins were more on the engineering technical side. So, I think it's in the DNA. We'll see what happens. We'll see. Well, Jill, it was great to speak with you. It's always interesting to learn how businesses are doing things different and things are changing um, every day, it seems now. So well, I'm sure we'll catch up with you again about something else that you're doing to help people in manufacturing soon. I know we're in a labor shortage. Actually, I want to ask you that last question. You know, Are you guys feeling the effects of a labor shortage at Bead? So we are, we've, we've hired five or six employees just in the last month, which for a small company like ours is a large percentage of our workforce. Um, But, you know, we're, we're trying any and all things. We're working with some um, community colleges, some local universities. We're working with, um, you know, various, um, various contacts that we have. We're networking. Of course, we're doing the recruiting, all the different things. And we're just finding that no one 
resource is going to serve all of our needs. So we're just really fanning out and spreading out and, um, and trying to do the best we can. And we're, we are getting some great candidates. And we are finding, too, that we need to improve our training and our onboarding. And it's on us to really make that process easier the more and more um, the more and more hiring that we do and the less that employees stay in jobs forever like they used to. So it's a good habit to get into if you're not getting into it now, for sure. Do you find they're mostly um, not necessarily entry level, but um, something that is someone from community college who learns the trade can jump into? Or do you have higher level positions as well? Well, that's why I bring up the training. We find that either someone's pretty seasoned and we are lucky if we get them for a few years before they retire, or we find someone that's pretty new um, and there's going to be some amount of training. And when we find somebody who's got a few years, they're not completely right, new right into the workforce, boy, do we try to snap them right up because it's rare. But, you know, like I said, you just got to do the best that you can. Well, good luck with that. Um, and welcome to your new employees. Thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And thank you for listening to this week's BizCast. You can listen and subscribe to our podcast sponsored by Google on Apple or YouTube, as well as SoundCloud. For more episodes, you can head on over to cbia.com.